0: All right. So this is now episode what 16,
1: 17? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, can't, I don't keep track anymore at this point. Damn, has it been that many? I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't realize we were that far <laughs> into that. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. I didn't expect the last of song. <laughs> well, right. I, I don't want anybody to underestimate Dalton and my willingness to just speak to ourselves either. So, we'll be we'll keep yeah, going, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So there's a lot of conversations that happen off camera that should stay off camera. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, uh, so what do you mean, bud? It is for our for our, our listeners who might find this at a later date. It is New Year's Day, just on it is December thirty first, twenty twenty two, today. Dalton, how was your Christmas? How your holidays been, bud? Uh, to
0: be completely honest, dude, it's been up and down roller coaster. So um, yeah. And it has reflected in my training as well. So
1: with respect to the holiday press.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I missed my first squat in over a year actually on Monday.
1: Okay. Squat single?
0: Uh no, it was triple. Mm -hmm. So I hit two reps at two hundred and fifty keys on a buffalo bar. Mm -hmm. Went for the third and just kinda got stuck with it, honestly. It's not the str- strength is not the issue there. The the issue for me there is how I actually the strategy of getting there, right? So my bracing strategy kind of just fell apart at the bottom of the lift and yeah. It's where I see most people lose a squat. It's just in the bracing strategy alone. So no surprise.
1: Right, and I would say that the if someone asked me, I would say it's probably position with regards to most of the lifts. Like if if a lifter loses position, it really doesn't matter how strong they are. And you can make the argument that your ability to keep position is relative to strength. Like I think it's Trevor Jaffe, who's fond of saying you didn't miss groove shit. You weren't strong enough to stay in the groove. So like, don't come out here and pretend like it could have been otherwise, if you had just been different, like bro, just be stronger. Um, So I also, I recognize the validity of that thought process as well. But for me, especially my bottom position in squat is everything. If I'm too far forward on my toes, too far back on my heels, if my knees are, are already too internally rotated, and my bracing pattern goes to shit, any of that, and I know just to hang it up. But if all that is on point, I'm going to come up like a rocket ship. I realize that too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we had a rough squat session, but was, were your holidays good? Did you see family? Did you get lots of good presents from Santa? Were you <laughs> on the list this year?
0: I probably made not a list. <laughs> we're being truthful. Uh, no, yeah, so... I did get to see family and everything. So that was cool. Um, I'm being quite honest. I don't really give two shits about, uh, having presents or anything anymore. Um, yeah, I'm a grown ass man. I don't need,
1: say so as, like, um, as you get older, buy my own shit. As you get older, the commercial nature of it does kind of start to become apparent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just give me a good
0: time with friends and family and I'm cool.
1: I love that. That's excellent. And so, so were you, did you have to work through this holiday season? Or did you get any time off? I got
0: some time off. Yeah. So it was yeah, nice. That. Yeah. 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 Love that. Definitely needed that. Um, so,
1: but yeah. Uh, how are yours? No, it was really good. Um, I got to see my my son uh, this holiday season. We got to do, it's not his first Christmas. It's his second. So I went ahead and did Christmas with my son. Um, got him. His, he got the, it's kind of cool because we were just speaking to how Christmas kind of loses some of its luster as you get older. Um, but I tell you what, you want Christmas to regain some luster, man, get a, get a kid, get a little baby because <laughs> Christmas becomes a big deal again, man. Like and in the next couple of years, he'll be old enough to conceptualize Santa and things of that nature. So the holidays will be even more special. Um, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I got Luke some, some big, I call them like big Legos, but I guess they're called building blocks. They look like Legos, but they're larger and they're like a softer plastic and you can big build, you can build large towers and things. So I got him some of those and I got him a, 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 fire truck that lights up and makes a ton of obnoxious sounds because that's what babies love parents hate it exactly right so i just went ahead and, and so played, who played with the stuff. legos more you or him uh honestly probably probably me so <laughs> when i dump out so i'll dump out the legos and it, it's a large box full of these big old legos i'll dump them out and, and we'll be building or playing something and he will inevitably start going no no and he'll start to try to put all the legos back in the box and and if I take them back out of the box, or I keep trying to build, he'll go no no, and he'll look at me. He'll go dad 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 no no, and he'll start putting them all back <laughs> in the box because uh, I, I guess the women in his life have conditioned him to believe that making a mess is unacceptable. <laughs> so anytime, I to, anytime I try to dump out, anytime I try to dump out the blocks, he goes no no no, and he starts individually one at a time. And there's hundreds of these things putting them back in the box. So it's a really good time. Um, out, after I got to spend Christmas with my son, I went ahead and drove up to Charlotte to see Katrina, who I believe, yeah, is there. She is. So I, I ran. <laughs> so I went. Out. She said hi. So uh, I went ahead and drove up to Charlotte to see Katrina. Um, spent a ton of time here. I spent like seven or eight days here. It was everything, everything I wanted it to be, and more, especially regarding some of the stress that I've been under with meat prep and then coaching some of my athletes, um, having things of that nature creep up over time and build up. This last week here in Charlotte with her has been, has been everything I needed for training, for for resetting my mental status, going back to recruit and getting ready to, to dive into this next off-season block. Um, so it's it's been a really good holiday season for me. I'm fortunate and blessed to work for a really good boss, John Sluter, in Brevard Landscaping. So I was able to to take this week off and uh thankfully he blessed the employees of that company with a little holiday bonus to get us through and so i'm very fortunate they very grateful for that and my holidays have been really good
0: it's always good to hear like it, so it's even always beyond, nice
1: to hear when people are doing good yeah, so even beyond that which kind of pivots us to our next topic i'm yeah off-season I've training been, yeah correct i've been training here in charlotte for the last week and um you're familiar with your crew strength which is what i would classify as my home gym i do the majority of my training there um, so you've been to Recruit Strength in regards to that's more of, like, the classic dungeon style. Um, yeah, and I believe that's how they self-advertise, like, the dungeon style powerlifting facility. Um, they do have the combo rack and the kilos, and, and like, it, it's equipped as far as, like, competitive powerlifting. But the gym I've been training at here is they have everything. Like, I mean, I, I was sitting here the other day talking to, I was talking to the owner, whose name is also Steven, <clears throat> and he was talking about every year he makes biannual equipment purchases. And we're talking like large equipment purchases, $5,000 or whatever. And he's sitting here and he's like trying to get his members to vote on what piece of equipment he should buy next. And everybody's looking around and they're like, fuck, man, like uh, more barbells, I guess. Like You know, you fucking got everything, dog. Like I mean, hack squat, pendulum squat, uh, brand new pendulum oh, squat, everything. I mean, everything. It's just, I mean and, and really good, like pit shark, pit shark, belt shark. Um, Just really good pieces of equipment. So my training there has been really good. I pivoted to kind of like, quote unquote, my off season. And we've done podcast episodes about off season, on season. So when I do say my off season block for my listeners, I mean where my intent and focus isn't on driving immediate one rep gains in a squat bench and deadlift. So I'm still trying to improve. I'm still trying to get stronger, but I'm not eyeing an immediate strength block into those numbers. And that's multifactorial, especially being untested. You know, I take a few, I take three to four months completely off of everything to kind of downregulate and get get my health where it should be, get my lipids and everything, pristine again, cholesterol. And I'm a big believer in that. Um, I do a ton of blood work. So in addition to that, it gives me a good opportunity to recognize that I'm gonna lose some strength in that process. I typically lose about 10, 15 pounds and I lose a little a little bit of strength, maybe five or ten percent. So I usually spend those blocks reconditioning myself to volume work. So my sets of eight that have been historically really good for me, I'll start doing my sets of eight on limited rest periods. So maybe like three, three and a half minutes of rest. And if you're doing a set of pause eights, that's not a ton of rest. Not if you're 250 pounds and out of shape. So as time goes on, I'll increase the volume and decrease the rest periods, kind of work on some of my um, conditioning towards that volume stimulus that that I respond historically well to. So I'll spend a few months doing that, and then I'll pivot into – kind of more of like the style of training that you and I have kind of adopted lately with some of the cat style stuff. Um, There'll be some bands here and there. And then ultimately Mm -hmm. pivoting back into a strength block as I traditionally do. But right now I'm having a, a ton of fun. So my primary movements for my primary days are, so I'm doing a duffalo bar pause squat for my primary movement on squat day. So I do a single and then I do my back down volume in the same style. And then for bench, it's comp Larson press when I say comp Larson press, I mean comp with grip, comp style pause, comp on rack. Basically it needs to be a comp press with your legs in the air. That's what I consider like a comp Larson. And then for deadlifts, I'm back to conventional, man. Just back to my bread and butter. What historically just drives my sumo really well is just a fat conventional. Uh, and I'm, I've am i been told that I'm lucky or or blessed or like, I don't know, people, people diminish hard work and good programming in different ways, but it's been expressed to me that it's uncommon for – my sumo variation to drive my conventional variation, but it always does. Like I'm in week two and I'm already setting all time conventional PRs for singles, just because as I get stronger at sumo, I get stronger at conventional. And then I find the same to be true. Like, so I'll spend six months doing conventional pivot back to sumo and immediately set all time PRs pivot back to conventional and immediately set all time PRs. And I kind of go back and forth. And even if it's not a direct builder of each other, uh, it's a good mental break. It's a good step away from that comp movement because sumo is highly technical. Especially on a deadlift bar, so I found that taking a little bit of a break can be good from time to time. And then when I come back, I'm really reinvigorated to the movement, really fresh. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then just kind of see where it goes. I don't have anything immediately on the docket. I do. I am committed to doing the Iron Nightmare, but that's not until it's August 5th. So I'm um, outside of that. I don't have anything on the docket. Um, I was. I spoke to a couple of like APF members. Like I've been speaking to more and more of them. And having spoken to them, I think I'm going to forego Showdown at the Storm, mainly because, mainly because it, the venue they hold it at, which is typically Perfect Storm, uh, there's no air conditioning at this meet. Hundred hundred people in a small room, uh, people are having cramps, and it's it's super hot. And I'm just that that doesn't really interest me in the Florida summer, not in Daytona Beach. So I think I'm good mm-hmm. on all that. Like I, I don't have an APF membership anyway, so I would need to purchase another federation membership, another meet entry fee, and so. I think I'll just stick to the USPA yeah. for my next one. What about you? Dio? Yeah, is I mean, compete in the near future.
0: So I definitely, I definitely want to. I just don't know if I will. Um, with school coming back up and whatnot, like my school load is probably going to be about
1: six classes. So, and so for it's going to l- be for our listeners and myself. What are you going to school for? How long have you been in school, and how close are you to competing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> How long have I been in school? Is the good question, right? Uh, so, oh man, I don't know. I've been I've been off and on in school just because of service and whatnot. Uh, for the last five years. Um, right now I'm pursuing a bachelor's in biomedical sciences mm-hmm. from ASU and whatnot, right? That's just to get prerequisites for my doctorate program. So. Mm-hmm. And as long as all the cards are correct, I will be actually starting my doctorate program for chiropractic in May, May 1st, where I'll also get my bachelor's and master's in human sports performance at the same time. Uh, so,
1: uh, so, you're looking, so just to kind of round that out, you're looking at completing a bachelor's in biomed, a bachelor's in sports performance, a master's in sports performance, and a doctor of chiropractic? The, no, the so kids. the
0: the bachelor's in biomed sciences is, is it's just to get prereqs. I don't okay, actually okay. want to finish that one. Okay, you're not going to complete um,
1: this one. Okay. No, not that one. Okay. Oh, so just a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. Not two bachelor's. Yeah. yeah. Jo- okay, just that. Okay, just yeah. so we're just so we're yeah. clear for the kids at home. Um, and so what is your estimated time to completion on your on your your master's and doctorate, like for everything?
0: So for the doctorate, you're looking at about probably three and a half years. Okay. Three and a half, four years, I think, is what it is. But with the for a Masters.
1: You're say what? I said that's a solid time frame for a program you haven't started yet. It's yeah. not like egregiously yeah.
0: long. No. Um and then for the bachelor's and masters, it's probably gonna be uh because I'm be doing it alongside, it's probably gonna mm-hmm. be one to two years after I complete the doctorate. So which is a little bit different, you actually okay. for You'll this have one your because
1: your masters? <laughs> yeah yeah
0: 100%. so with the way some of these programs work so like pts the mm-hmm. same way you don't have to have your bachelor's to actually go into the program you have to complete interesting i did not know yeah. that okay. so because they're not actual mds or anything like that um, mm-hmm. so you don't have to have the bachelor's or the uh, medical schooling first or anything like that you can go straight into these i've met some people who are going into the programs um, around the same time i'll be going and some of them have no they have no earthly idea what a femur is from a tibia or a femur from, you know, a humerus. They missed anatomy one Which is not a bad thing. It, yeah, exactly. Like, there will be an in-depth anatomy teaching and whatnot through this entirety. Uh, but it's it, it definitely will be a disadvantage to them. Whereas, on the flip side of that, for me, it might also be a detriment to have already this not necessarily deep, deep understanding of anatomy and everything, but this already working understanding, working theories where I will have to take a step back and say, okay,
1: I have to practice, pass this class. Like
0: what it comes down to. Right. That's so
1: that's, that's me doing the ISSA powerlifting certification. I disagree with every fucking thing in the program, but I have to answer. I hate, so I have to answer the way the program wants me to answer to complete it. And, but the whole time um, I'm like, this, um, this is outdated. This is incorrect.
0: <laughs> These are my views. Uh, right. I will trash the hell out of that certification. I will trash it's the hell different. out of ISSA. Okay. Um, the only I so I full disclosure. I have my personal training certification, piloting certification, the nutrition certification, their strength and conditioning certification. Like it, I have uh, quite a few of them from them. But at the same time. I don't advertise that I have any of these for the most part. Like I think I advertise I have the CPT and that's a that's just yeah. because that's just I like it's somebody... something to actually train people. Right. <laughs> um, but as far as like certifications go and whatnot, actually that's a good uh, good topic as well too. Cause, like, yeah, I'm interested in having this conversation. You're gonna find you're gonna find most certifications are a crock of shit. Like just plain and simple. Unless you are a very, very I am brand new to this. I am a beginner. If you go to any major certification body, NASM, ASCM, ISSA, anything like that, they're going to teach you the bare minimum basics, which, yeah, some of them are better than the than the others. Like I've heard pretty good things about NASM and things like that. Oh, okay. ASCM, Definitely I think a it's a little better than...
1: Definitely a better organization. Yeah. But more pricey. Right. So the but ISSA the, is the biggest one.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I can get certified through... Uh, what we have, the cool program uh, with my employer, I'm just gonna leave them at that. Uh, but it's it's actually like two grand, right? Yeah. For this entire program that they, they offer for us. Um, so it's, it's definitely a lot more pricey, but I will say uh, my mindset has shifted from just, okay, well, what certification is gonna get for a low price or anything like that to I will pay for quality over just getting a certification, right? Uh, case in point, I did the Precision Nutrition certification, right? So that was a really good certification in my opinion. It has trumped any and all except for one uh, certification I've gotten through any nutrition certification bodies or anything like that. Uh, the only other one, and I will plug these guys for as long as I can, as long as they're still doing it, is the Coach's Corner University Certification. I was about to say, does CCU uh, have a nutrition course? So they're, so they're, what they do is, it's an eight-week program, right? So it is week by week. You have lecture, lab, lecture, lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's run by Tony Montgomery and Paul Oneid, mm-hmm. uh, two really, really great guys. They've been mentors to me, whether they realize it or not. Uh, they've influenced a lot of the things that I've done, uh, all on the, even on the business side things. Uh, Tony on a lot of training and how we look at research and different nutrition tactics and whatnot. So they do a really good job of it. They actually have a test. Uh, I was quite surprised at the test because I was like, oh, I didn't score as high as I thought I would. Don't be wrong. I still studied and everything, but like they asked real questions. So like that's that's what it was, like having real certifying bodies, basically, Like, both of these guys are really freaking smart. Paul's got two masters. Tony's going to get his PhD right now. So, like, if you want to learn from really good people, those are the types of people you want to check out, look at. Uh, I believe their certification is less than $400, I think. So, it's definitely doable and definitely worth it, in my opinion. So, it's definitely something that, as far as certifications, it is up there on my list. So... Just like with what I was saying with the uh, Precision Nutrition Certification, like that one for nutrition, it is probably gold standard, if I would say. And I say that just because it's challenged a lot of things that I think about as far as nutrition goes and whatnot. Um, I mean,
1: don't give away the quotes, but what do you mean by that?
0: So simple fact of do we need to even calorie count 24 7 right so they bring a concept of level one two and three clients right their their idea behind this is that everyone's a level one client all right so level one being your education level your consistency level things like that but on top of that you do have level two clients level three clients the thing with those guys is you're not gonna spend 24 7 at these higher levels level two or level three, level three being, hey, I'm prepping for a bodybuilding show, level two, like, hey, I'm, you know, end season for sport performance, right? Okay. So how do you take a level two, level three client or someone who's just a more advanced client, right, and bring them down to a level one concept because the whole point of a level one concept is actually to be able to take and put them in a position with nutrition that they can sustain this for the rest of their life. You can So, so for instance, like right now, I'm doing more level one nutrition practices than I am level two or level three. I haven't counted calories in quite some time right now, actually. Yeah. Um, I have been using more of hand portion guides. right? So uh, they do that a lot. And I do actually like that because it takes a lot of uh, – it clears up a lot for a lot of people, especially – so I'm going to use my wife as an example. Counting calories, she sucks at it. Why? Because it overwhelms her. Like, plain and simple. And that's the thing, though, right? So it's like, how do I take somebody like that and give them the tools to continue to pro- to progress through this entirety of the thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, hands are really easy to do. Yeah. Right? So just giving people that. Like,
1: do we want to go into this now? Do we want to go ahead and go into nutrition? I don't even think I've recapped my training or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to say. But we 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 are kind of getting away i i did want to make the point about yeah so let's it. i did want to make the point real quick about ahead. the satisfying bodies and it's interesting yeah. because if i'm to look at the issa nutrition counseling or they're going to be very careful in how they brand it because there are like actual laws around being a nutritionist or a dietitian or like yes. a lot of people don't understand if you're writing someone a meal plan and telling someone what they should eat day to day you need to have like real education or you're committing crimes.
0: Yes, that um, is actually a registered dietitian RD. Like you, like you just said, that is thing. a real crime. And that yeah. is,
1: there are and laws that. against that. Like I see people advertise, like hit me up for custom meal plans. And I'm like, you're way out of your lane. Like, and I never say anything cause that's not on me. Like it's not on me to tell people how to live their life. But no. for the folks listening at home, like it's one thing to counsel people how to have better dietary practices, how to have better weight loss practices, teach them portion control. The palm of your hand is a common one. A deck of cards is a common one that you see, like just ref, like common reference points. But if, if you're going to go and say like, all right, at 8 a.m., two cups of oatmeal, followed by 12 ounces of Greek yogurt. At that point, you're getting into a registered dietitian's role. Um, so now, just kind
0: of- the way you skirt this line, and this mm-hmm. is, I've done this before, but you have to be very, very like in the very beginning, you have to be like, this is guidelines.
1: yes recommendations
0: everything that I tell you is guidelines recommendations I am a coach trying to coach you in your own life I give you guidelines I give you recommendations whether or not you choose to follow these recommendations is your choice that is something I always tell people even
1: with training I'm fond of saying if it were me (laughs) as in like at the end it's like do whatever you want to do but if it were me Um, yeah but the ultimate if you're creating a custom meal pan go ahead we, is we have certifying bodies like issa weight loss or whatever which i'm sure there are mm. literally thousands of people in the united states that hold that certification and use it to market or to to get a job at a gym or, or what have you and then we have a product like the Coach's corner university nutrition course which is hands down a better product in terms of price value education content 100%. everything uh, but it's not nearly as widely recognized because it's a smaller company and that creates a problem where some of these better courses which take longer and are more expensive are not as sought after as these fast cheap ones from like these large bodies yeah and so it creates a space where it's common for people to say well online certifications are worthless i mean not necessarily like i I would hazard to say that kabuki has a couple decent ones um rp diet has a decent one um coach's corner has some good ones but as a whole people end up with a bad taste in their mouth because of these cookie cutter organizations like issa where you can literally sign up. Yeah. I think it took me. I'm not. I'm not going to go into like how easy and fast it was for me to complete their powerlifting course, but it, it was not. In fact, <laughs> there was no, there was no, like there was nothing to it. So like if you're hanging your hat yeah. on this ISSA certification, that's yeah. really not that should that that as as the consumer listening to this, if your coach is, is bragging on an ISSA certification and not on real coach. world experience, mentorship, if it, like if they don't have anything like that, I would be leery. Now that I've said that. And
0: that's the thing, right? So certifications, okay, one of the big things you want to look for, for any of the people who are still listening to this, I I feel like they only listen to you talk about your kid and then they dropped off. Uh, But (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like, if your certification is not challenging the way you think, why are you taking it, right? So throughout the entire uh, process of taking Coach's Corner University certification, taking the Precision Nutrition certification, the entire things, it was... Mind thinking. It was critical th- mind thinking. What the what the hell is that term? I don't know. Uh, it was critical thinking. It was thought process changing. Like it's to give you an example of how much material is in this course. Look how thick this is. Right. So this is.
1: Huh? I said for our, our for our listeners who can't see it, it's easily multiple inches. Of oh. Time. Oh, printing. yeah,
0: no, it's about three to four yes. inches thick, right? Well, not probably about three inches thick. But there's only there's two books and a workbook in this. Uh, three, actually. I just don't have the other book in there because I actively use that one. But, like, that's the whole thing behind it, right? There's so much material in that. It took me over a year to complete the certification. One, just because I had other things going on. Two, because I was lazy. Three, I... When I first started it, I wasn't in the same mindset that I am now, which made a huge difference, right? So I'm actually glad I waited that long to complete the certification. So but the, the bottom line that it comes to is like certifications like that or Coach's Corner University that are actually changing the way you think or challenging the way you think are far worth the money than any other certification, ISSA, NSA, NS uh, NASM, whatever it is, N A NASM. NASM um like prescript has some really good ones where uh they so prescript killian hamilton actually has a critical thinking skills acquisition course strictly just around that right Mm -hmm. so it's those are the types of courses you want to look at those are the types of courses you want um so yeah it's uh it's definitely something that we could beat a dead horse but i think we've beaten the horse to death so we can leave it there Um, I guess I can talk about my training for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I'm if kind of interested in what, like, what you're doing in the coming blogs. Uh, yeah, so I am taking
0: a little bit different approach to my training. Um, mm-hmm. For those that don't know, I use more of a conjugate style programming. Uh, Conjugate just meaning I'm working on multiple modalities at the same time. It's not west side. It is not a specific is it the type the mat, or is anything it the like warning? that. Is it not one conjugate for raw? I would rather punch myself in the dick than do anything he does. <laughs>
1: um, that also by the way, just
0: I've never seen it, and I don't ever want to see it. I, for those that don't know, I hate Matt Winning. Um, every time I listen to him talk, I'm like throwing up in my in in my mouth. It's we could have a conversation offline if anybody wants to know why I don't like the guy. So, um, which he might be a great guy, I, you know what? I don't know. But yeah. as far I mean, as, like, done. his training and all that, like, I just, no, go away. Get away from me. Um.
1: All right, but, so, you're not, <laughs> so you're not utilizing the traditional conjugate style approach that a lot of people are familiar with.
0: No. Well, so, like, I am using max effort. I am using mm-hmm. repetition work. Um, I'm not necessarily using speed work. I'm using more skill work for me right now. Um, and I do make a difference between the two because, in my opinion, there are a difference. You can't do speed work without skill first. You have to have a skill Baseline established before you can add speed work to that. Slow is steady, steady is fast. Plain and simple. Um, but with my training, what I'm doing right now, I'm using Buffalo Bar a lot in my training as well. Uh, I am actually doing a pretty much comp squat with a Buffalo Bar for my main max effort work. So I'll be running triples, doubles, singles. Uh, I run my blocks in waves, basically. Block, wave, it's pretty much the same thing, interchangeable. don't really care what you call it. But I take three weeks, and what I'll do is usually that first week will be somewhere around an RPE 8, 8.5 or something like that then it'll go up to a nine on the second week and then a drop in repetitions and stay at a nine. All right. So big thing on that is only one variable is changing at a time. Right. So either volume or intensity is changing. Right. So, and the reason why I do that is because the difference between week one and week three or week three to week one, it's not as big as what people would think. Right. So was, if you're given the actual recoveral recovery, the priority that it's been that it should be given, you'll see less of a drop off as far as overall performance and whatnot. It becomes more steady over time, which is something that I've noticed. Uh, it's very similar to what uh, Seth albersworth is doing as well. um Full disclosure, I did take his conjugate for raw mm-hmm. seminar, and it was a very very good learning opportunity for me. But one thing I noticed is I already train almost exactly the way he was even before that which is really cool um i just i use a lot more intensity driven volume i guess is what i would say so uh going forward what i'll be doing is for my max effort work it is going to be kind of traditional max effort work with one set uh so for instance squats this week was supposed to be a uh, top triple but (laughs) turned into a top double um bench this week was a top double deadlifts this week was a top triple right that's it Mm -hmm. now for deadlifts the only thing that was a little bit different was that it did take two sets to find that top triple okay so the number of sets leading up to it exactly and for me i don't consider those actual sets as they're kind of still warming up finding where that top set's going to be I care about the top set and pushing that intensity as hard as I can. So, uh, for instance, yeah, I, from, for my deadlift, what I'll be doing is working from blocks with a stiff bar. Okay. So, this week, I pulled 315 for a triple off three three blocks. So, uh, 315 kilos, not 315 pounds. Clarify that, so. Right at like 688 or something like that. And I got it. Wrecked me. <laughs> I did one set and it wrecked me. Right. But that's the thing. It's like with this style, like if it's one set and it's true max effort work, you can't do another set.
1: No, for sure. Like
0: if I wanted to do another set, I would have probably had to drop to 640 or 600 pounds. Like I was just thinking that's that what to- it should be.
1: Even dropping that ten kilos, if you do another set at the same rep range, it's probably also going to be just as difficult at ten again, like uh, because of the way systemic set fatigue builds up for sure.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing too. It's like when I when I'm doing this max effort work, it's not a, it's deemed max effort work, yes, mm-hmm. because I want maximum effort into it, but it's not a ten, in my opinion. Okay, okay, I'm still aiming around a nine, nine and a half. Like what I'm really looking for. Okay, this is where so. This is a little bit different because this is where my idea and understanding of RPE starts to change a little bit, right? Because when we start getting more towards these maximal weights, there are so many small things that can start to make a difference in how we actually move and the weights we actually use and whatnot, right? So RPE starts to become less and less of an RIR type model where you know RPE8, I could have done two more and stuff like that, right? So now it starts becoming this model of what it was before in the endurance world. Okay, well, how hard was that? How much effort did I put into this, right? So that RPE9, for me, it starts to become a, I want to put almost as maximal effort as I can into the set. But I'm stopping short of maximal to make sure, one, I don't wreck myself for the rest of the training cycle, and two, I don't invite some kind of injuries. Um yeah. So that's where it kind of changes a little bit. And I, I, With my athletes, as they get closer and closer to the meets, I stop placing an emphasis on, okay, well, how many more could you have done or anything like that mm-hmm. as a driver of RPE? And I started looking at, okay, well, how well, how much did they exert themselves on this, right? right. So at that point, that's what I care more about. Yeah, you took a single and it was a seven, but we're getting ready for competition. I need you to put more effort into this. Okay. So that's where it gets a little bit different. And my thinking of RPE starts to change a little bit. Um so it's it's a little bit different than what I feel like what most people would think when it comes to things like that. Cause I feel like even with going into a competition or anything like that, it's still okay, I'm doing an RPE nine, I need to be able to do one more. I would classify the single or the triple I did last night as an RPE nine, nine and a half. And I couldn't have done another one. But I also know that it wasn't my full maximum effort because I still had a little bit less in the tank as far as what effort I could put towards a set. So it's one of those things where it's like the trade-off is there as far as conceptuality of what RPE is, but the means of the modality stays the same, if right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, But yeah, so I'll be running Buffalo um, on squats. I've got, like I said, Buffalo comp pause, or not comp pause, uh, comp squats. I have Buffalo high bar pause. Mm. So a little bit different. Mm. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, I swear to God, our training is almost exactly the same, and we didn't even talk to each other, which is actually really funny. Um, And then for my skill work, because one of the main things I'm working on is a new bracing pattern and new bracing strategy. Um, I am working towards actually uh, using a tempo squat for that with the Buffalo bar. Are you squatting for for a lot of this? uh, Four. No, no, no. Three right now. The fourth day is a leg is a like focus day, but it is not a squad. I'll work my way back to, back to that. So, uh, with this, I also run a very, very high frequency program. Um, so I'm pretty much squatting, benching and deadlifting every day. I'm in the gym. Okay. Uh, and I absolutely love it. I have felt less pain. I have felt less, uh, need for warming up as much. Um, but it is, I recognize that it's not for everybody. Um, and that a lot of people won't be able to run a high frequency program like that without having some kind of stepping stone to it. So, right. Okay. But um, and that last day, like I was saying, it is not a squat day. It is a leg focused yeah. movement of some sort. So, like leg press. Um, uh, I did a set of twenty on legs leg press yesterday, and I wanted to absolutely shoot myself. Uh, But the one thing I do want to point out with that, though, is with that, the focus is on building volume and that because it's focused on driving hypertrophy. So I'm trying to drive mechanical tension across those sets and across the week building up in that, right? So uh, I think I did like two sets of 12 for the same weights the last week, and that was an RPE 8 to 9. I did a set of 15 and a set of 20 this week with the same weight. Right. So for me, it's not it's not necessarily that the weight is heavy. It's the skill component right now that I have to work on before I can drive that maximal mechanical tension. Okay. So uh, Next week, I will either add more reps or add more weight. I'll probably add more weight if I'm already hitting 20 reps. Yes. So, uh, so yeah. That's uh, how my squat training is looking. Bench training, it is board pressing, single board press because I absolutely am terrible at uh, single board press and My bench seems to lack on the bottom half right now. Um
1: and is that like which a, is that generally like a just
0: means I'm not strong enough.
1: Is that like a pause variation, that one board? Or are you touch and go. a uh, little bit, yeah. It's pause. So almost um, like a bench yeah. Close, but not obviously your style. Close, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I so I actually, I actually and, then, go ahead.
0: and then the rest of that is going to be followed up with some Rear-banded bench, so working on scapular depression. That is something I have had a issue with here recently. Okay. uh, And then on top of that is some extended range work, so buffalo bar bench press um, just to get an extra little bit of uh, range of motion through that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in which I might extend the range of motion and go to a hook-lying press as well with a buffalo bar, but that's going to be something I look at in the future. Um, I actually hit a PR close to, I think I hit like close to 300 pounds, whatever 137 and a half is, whatever that is in kilos yeah. or not pounds. Uh, whatever that is, I hit that for a set of eight and I thought I shit my pants during it. So, uh, yeah, so <laughs> and that's on a bench press. <laughs> yeah. right. So, um, and then again, that fourth day is kind of geared towards bodybuilding. So a dumbbell press of some sort on which I've opted to take a neutral position uh, dumbbell press on a low incline because mechanically I'm stressing the, tr- uh, the fibers of the chest across what they're actually meant to be doing, which is that adduction and extension. So uh, that is bench training, deadlift training. Again, it's working on position. Position is, everything when it comes to sumo deadlifting so my take on this is working from blocks working my way down the reason why i'm doing that because it lets me overload my starting position if i can overload my starting position and maintain that position on the way down the blocks then in theory and what i've seen in, in anecdotally in the past is that it lets me actually work towards building the starting position at heavier and heavier weights the stiff bar is just to work on pulling slack a little a little more. Um, And on top of that, also, I've got a little bit different way of setting my feet now. So, I'll be practicing that. And then, again, skill work, just working on pulling the bar into myself with the front bend of deadlift. That's really, I I can't really elaborate much on that. It's lots of everything in a deadlift as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then, on top of that, it is just more hypertrophy focus work for legs the top off deadlift training which probably doesn't sound correct because you'd be like well deadlift training you need more deadlifting it's like yeah but what if you break down the component of a deadlift knee extension hip extension okay cool well if we start training those in quote unquote isolation then yeah you are training deadlift depending on what kind of movement you're doing
1: so yeah Uh, that's what my training looks like right now Okay, and so you're not on the you're not on the weighted dip train. Seems like everybody and their brother is doing weighted dips these days.
0: I am doing weighted dips, but I am doing them a little bit differently than most people. Um, So I'm choosing to drive the amount of reps that I can do with them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I did them with like 55 pounds the other day for sets of 15. But I'm focusing on going as deep as I can for scapular motion and whatnot. So. Uh, it is a little bit different. Like I'm almost putting my face on the, on the bar itself. So, yeah. um, that's more what I care about for that. As far as like an actual dip
1: goes. I'm similar. So in my program, I have like what I quote unquote call full ROM dips. <clears throat> I've seen a style of dip where people will keep a lot of thoracic extension and they'll keep their head back and they'll kind of bend their arms to where their humerus is at like 90 degrees. Then they'll come back up, and it seems to load quite a bit of tricep. Um, it also seems to be quite a bit easier, less scary. Um, I generally see newer lifters performing dips in this fashion. And then I see the style of dips that I, quote, unquote, call the full range of motion dips that you're talking about, where I usually yeah. go my nose or my forehead to the crossbar in the front. And because I'm leaning forward and because I'm actually loading the across my pecs, I'm able to get quite a bit of, of peck involvement in that. Um. Yeah. So I, I also use a very similar style of like, as soon as you said fifty-five pounds per sets of fifteen, I was like, oh, so he's tempoing and he's doing them super deep because that's that's not a ton of load relative to what you're actually capable of. You could probably strap four a plates. I've done dips it.
0: with like that's, four <laughs> plates before. So that's what I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: it's a good gym like, stopper. I can't, so it definitely gets people yeah, to stop. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've noticed that well, when I you guess. do half a rep, exactly. then it's kind of like a jackass movement. <laughs> Yeah. So, which is what I usually see with people when they do them, they'll do have a rep with it, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool." And you worked on tricep extensions. You,
1: didn't you know, do there is something also. there is something kind of that we could segue off of. That is uh, movements of that nature that are very easy to abuse for ego. And so, right away, I'm going to go with Hatfield squats and Pit Shark. Um, yeah. In that same vein of like, like these dips. So, if you modify the way that you load the movement pattern and the way you perform the dip, you're able to to cut the range of motion and you're able to load different fibers and, and do quite a bit less work. Um, and I've noticed a similar trend on half-field squats, especially. I'll see guys with a 600-pound comp squat, a 575 comp squat, and they're doing 1,000-pound half-field squats. And I'm like, yep. with a with a Mars bar or an SSB or whatever, and, and I just want to ask them, like my brother in Christ, if, if your variation is double your comp movement, I, I struggle to see the relative, the, the relative carryover. And while it's fun to play to our strengths, like, like, how much do you think you could leg press, Dalton? Like, if we were going to, like, ego YOLO a leg press, it would be over a 1,000 pounds. But then you would look at me and go, but yeah. why would I do that relative to my squat? Yeah, so like, see, what the
0: fuck am I going to get from that?
1: <laughs> so I see half-field squats being abused quite a bit in that nature, and then all manner of belt squats. And I will be the first to say that a lot of belt squats are made in a way where you have to hinge back and grab onto handles, and, 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 and you end up in essentially a vertical shin position in the hole. And it's not to say that that movement is worthless or meaningless, but if we're trying to load the quads and we're trying to stimulate like quad hypertrophy or we're trying to move like a high bar movement pattern and your shins are vertical in the hole, what what part of that looks anything like a squat? Like that looks like a sumo deadlift. Um, and I see that well, that's chance. what
0: I was going to say. It's like if you could take a, a belt squat and move it to a sumo position, guess what? Now you probably, one, can't load it as much, but two, you're actually going to get a movement pattern that works. Right. So, and that's, that kind of like segues into uh, training movement versus training muscle.
1: Yeah, you know. for sure. And but we well, can, then, that's. Then you have different outcomes regarding like programming and training as far as like, and, and yeah. this is to kind of borrow heavily from some of Trevor and Riley stuff, as far as like uh, movement builders, position builders, and strength builders. Um, and we can even utilize some movements across multiple purposes. So I was even thinking the other day that I'm doing pause squats again. And in previous blocks, so this time last year I was pause squatting on a on a squat bar, but it was to mitigate stretch reflex and to get re- and to take away some of some of the ridiculous knee pain I was experiencing in prep leading into this competition, Battle of the Bay Eight, I think it was. So I was doing a lot of pause squatting to limit load and to limit stretch reflex and, and pop on my knee out of the hole. Versus now I'm doing pause squats for an entirely different reason, which is to to to, to load the heaviest portion or to load my most disadvantageous portion of the squat, which is my, my position in the hole. If you force me to pause that position, not only am I in my, my weakest position, but you're also eliminating any stretch reflex, like a get out of that position by making me pause. So I'm using the same movement, but for different reasons and for different desired outcomes. But to people who are just like stalking my Instagram, it's just like, oh, Steve's pause squatting again. And it's like, yes, correct. Steve is pause squatting, but with different intent and for a different reason.
0: Exactly. It, like you just said it's intent. It comes down to it. Like what are you what are you looking to do? <laughs> She's making a cameo on this, she doesn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like <laughs> I can't do the camera to fall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: we got so, team. but yeah, no, it would be say what? I said she and I have a big day today. We're we're getting ready for the day. Oh. Oh, nice. So,
0: I don't have a whole lot until like later tonight. So, well, I, um, I, but yeah, no, it comes back to intent and everything, right? So, yeah. what you, like you said, what you program and why you program it. Mm-hmm. It could be the same movement, but change, right? Sure. Like plain and simple.
1: I mean, just, just yeah, changing, no, just changing volume and intensity on a movement can easily change the desired outcome.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Is it skill work or is it uh, driving strength and power? So and, like and so pause. Those are two separate things.
1: You you can use like a tempo pause squat to increase time under tension for like a general hypertrophy outcome. You can use it as a position builder. You can use it as a strength builder. Like you, you know, really, it's one of those movements that has a lot of utility. Very similar to yeah. I was having this conversation with a client the other day, and he's like, "So have you ever had a client come to you and want to do pause squats, and you've told him no?" And I said, "Nope." And he said, "Have you ever had a client come to you and want to do pause deadlifts, and you've told him no?" And I said. Only one because he wasn't ready for them yet. But as soon as he was, he was started to do pause deadlifts because they're, those, especially those two movements in particular, uh, I see so much carryover and so much transfer. Not not regardless of what the lifter is trying to achieve with them, but just that anecdotally, if lifters run a block of pause deadlifts or pause squats, it goes really well for them. Like thereafter, and I think a lot of that is the positional improvement. Um, but those are two movements oh, that I really, agree with I really that. recommend to almost everybody at some point in time. Like, do your pause squats, yeah. do your pause deadlifts, like, and you should be pausing your bench already. But if you're one of those kids that touch and goes year round, and then you pause for four weeks out from competition, maybe start throwing in some pause work in your off season work as well to build a position, yep. um, build a position and a neurological yeah. control. Somebody asked me like, well, somebody, somebody asked me what I could bench, and he was like, how much can you bench like regular? And I said, I don't know, probably like 4'10", 4'15". And he's like, no, no, no. But like without pausing, like like just like bouncing it. Like a, and it was a gym bro asking me. It was his little brother. And uh, and I told him, I said, honestly, probably less. And that kind of threw him yeah, for same. a loop. And I, I said, dude, I have spent so much time pause benching that if you were to ask me to do a heavy touch and go single, it would probably not go well. Like I wouldn't get what I would hope out of it. Um, <laughs> um, and, no, that, and that just speaks to the point all. of like practice your comp movements like make them second nature to the point where if I were to try to deviate from my pause in my single it would probably take weight from the bar and I think that's a good place for lifting yeah to
0: be yeah no I agree with that um I mean we got like what 10, 10 minutes yeah, or so like left, 10 minutes so minutes yeah I know so let's uh I want to segue back to the nutrition thing because yeah yeah I've been wanting to talk about that one for a while
1: <laughs> you yeah, know and I've been going through some nutrition I think I'm gonna press some buttons program. with people
0: so, um, I mean, that is one aspect of my business that I want to grow this year as well. So, okay. uh, people will That's probably good. hear a lot more as far as, uh, what we're actually going to be talking about in the future and whatnot, because like nutrition sets the stage for all of this, right?
1: We don't have saying, proper we nutrition. Got... We don't have proper recovery. Yes. Completely agree. So, but so at you, the like, same time, you, like when you say you're wanting to make nutrition a bigger part of your business in the next year, I do have some kind of questions uh, reg- regarding that for you. And it would be a what do you mean by that? Like, are you talking about taking on more general weight loss clients? And and I'll get to kind of my reasoning behind the questions in a moment. Um, are you talking about more general weight loss clients? Are you talking about improving the service that you're already offering, offering your powerlifting clients? by like improving their uh, their dietary habits? Or are you talking about general lifestyle type stuff for your gen pop person or all? So honestly, all
0: really like, okay. so, so here's the thing that I wanna do, right? Mm-hmm. I want to expand my side of my nutrition.
1: Well, you are strength and nutrition. My business.
0: Exactly, right? <laughs> I want to make that a bigger aspect. I actually really do enjoy nutrition coaching, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, it is harder than strength coaching.
1: And way simply, harder.
0: And I will. It, you're dealing with habits. You're dealing with lifestyle. You're dealing with people. Like
1: all rant in a second.
0: Wow. Way more than. Yeah. Right. But uh, I, I have a few rants as well, and I might yeah, man, press like, I... With people, and <laughs> it's uh, it's not going to be pretty, probably. But it's whatever. I have some very hard set like. What nutrition coaching is and what it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, no. Like my whole thing with this, right, is how do we teach people how to actually have proper nutrition practices? I, I say proper, but proper also is individual, right? Your nutrition practices are not going to be the same as mine versus somebody else's, right? We're all different people. You might have, you might run better with a lot of carbs, and I might not. I do. I run better with a lot of carbs and that's the, the, the truth of it like so the whole thing behind I guess the mission statement behind like what I would want to be doing with mine is like, okay cool like let's help these people who are sports based sports performance based mm-hmm. and off season and off season reach their nutrition needs without the one the idiocracy that comes with it and two the basically the craziness that people get into right like okay, cool. Do you need to be uh, tracking your nutrition macros year round? In my opinion, no. You don't need I to. I agree completely. But that's my especially, opinion. Number
1: one. Especially if you're skilled.
0: If you're skilled, or even like just adopting some very basic principles. Yes. Also, like how many other how many powerlifting people do you know actually get in the route like the right amount of food for them, including micronutrients and things like that? So simple practices of just taking a handful of vegetables for a meal or a shake or something like that.
1: You mean, it's small little things. If I had a dollar, (laughs) if I had a dollar for every power lifter who posts, like makes the sanctimonious, like I'm on my shit checking my boxes and they'll post their meal and their stories. And my brother in Christ, it is literally ground turkey and white rice. And it's like, my guy. God. There is fucking not a single micronutrient in there outside of like iron. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You don't have any yeah. vegetables. You have no fiber. You don't even have a scrap of soluble or insoluble fiber in that meal. So like how hard is it? Exactly. Frozen vegetables and chia seeds in that shit. But they all run around talking about checking my boxes, optimizing. And it's like, eat your well, that's fucking the thing, vegetables, right?
0: power lifters. And so,
1: yeah, you know what? I'll just go into it now.
0: Like yeah. nutrition coaching is not just nutrition. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just Excel macros, things like that, that I see a lot of people do, and I don't care if I press buttons with this, it's my opinion on it, and if you're doing that, then I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am welcome any conversation that people want to have around, like, hey, well, well, the X, Y, and Z, and it works. Yeah, but how long does it work? Like, what kind of habits are you creating? What kind of habits are you actually making? And what kind of uh, long-term effects are you having for people? Because you know what, at the end of the day, I don't want a nutrition client forever. Like, I don't, I don't want to be your problem solver for the rest of your life. Like, that get out. That's not my gig, right? My whole thing is how do I teach you how to do these? How do I create habits for you? And like, yeah, if you are with me for an extended period of time, whatever, cool. Like, if it's your choice, it's your choice. Like, I, I can't say no to that. I mean, I can, but I'm, my, the whole goal behind this is to help people change their nutrition. Well, what is nutrition then? Okay, well, nutrition is going to include your lifestyle. It's going to include your habits. It's going to include the things and choices you make around meals. It's going to create. It's going to be creating psychology around all this different stuff, right? So, let's think about what a lot of people call cardio bunnies and whatnot, right? How many of them are scared of carbs? You know, you're probably going to find. Or how many? How many people are scared of fats? That's even a better one. How many people are scared of fats?
1: Or refined
0: sugar. Right. So, And, like, yeah, I do like whole foods more than processed foods, but that's because that's my preference. But also, I'm at a level where whole foods make more sense to me than somebody who is just trying to eat enough, who is just trying to get enough meals. You know, like, if I work with somebody and they're only eating one meal a day, it's like, cool, either we need to work on this one meal or we need to increase the amount of meals that you're taking right if that's the case then cool let's do that but at the same time like with nutrition and whatnot like i was saying it's all these different factors factored into one person and that person's different from the next person so i can't just go one person to the next well here's your macro count here's your macro count here's your macro count and it's like no that's that's shit in my opinion like if that's what you're doing and you're doing that as a nutrition coach i think it's shit when you start actually getting into nutrition coaching and you start looking at, okay, what does your psychology look like? What does their uh, actual nutrient profiling look like? What is your macro versus micro? Happens. And yes, there are steps to this. Like we don't just jump straight into micros or macros, right? Like the generalization of how much protein are you actually eating? Are you actually eating protein with every meal? Because how many people actually have a meal but don't eat protein with it or something like that? Like what constitutes a meal? What constitutes a snack? What constitutes X, Y, and Z? Well, if I want cake or something like that, can I have cake? No, cake is demonized. And it's like, no, that's not demonized. Like, you can still have these things and have them in some kind of actual, uh, not limiting manner, but like having some control over
1: it. Is you what mean moderation? Say, right?
0: Moderation. moderation? Jesus that Christ,
1: yes. Yes. That word. Adults in Western society have lost the concept of that word, but moderation, yes. Yeah. Like, if you want to go out
0: and you want to have cake, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like It's not something like, okay, well, now I need to go do more extra cardio. It's no. Like, we either adjust downstream. Mm-hmm. Like, we take another day and we say, okay, cool. Like, yeah, you did have a cake. So maybe instead of having two or three handfuls of rice, we take – we do two. And I say handfuls just because, like, most people probably don't even need to be counting macros or anything like that because how sustainable is that for them? And, again, I want to go into the fact of them because it's individual. Like if I'm working with a client who's not a powerlifter, not a strength-based person, not a bodybuilding person, not they're just a gen pop client, like unless I actually need to 100% know, okay, what is your macro split look like because of a medical condition? Do I need to track the calories?
1: Odds are probably not. Okay. So, you know what so, I think we you know what I think we need to do at this point, it's become quite clear to me is our next episode in the, in the near future, probably sometime next week. Um, I do want to revisit the nutrition coaching because I do have numerous questions involving like level three, level one habits, like when you would transition to actually counting macros, when you would look at doing that with a client, when do you think it's that? So I do have a ton of questions involving your aspirations and your not even aspirations, but your actual plan <laughs> to do more nutrition coaching in the next year. Um, and then I obviously have some background and experience in my own nutrition co- coaching yeah. and counseling that I'll share with the listeners for a good time. Um, but we can even make the next episode. Because it'll be right after the new year. We can even make the new the next episode kind of, I don't want to say new year's goals, but quote unquote, like some of our ideations and plans for our coaching businesses yeah. and then like what we plan on doing more moving forward. Um, because you're right, we could easily spend an hour talking about nutrition coaching and then the ways in which you want to offer quality service that's different from other people. Um, and I think that that's very worthwhile to explore for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the, the smart move because I will sit here for the next hour, hour and that's a half just and, ranting and... and-
1: and so, especially having this this uh, future this future topic in mind, we're able to kind of dedicate some thought to it in the coming days, so that when we yeah. do come to the episode, we have some fleshed out thoughts uh, surrounding it, and you and I exactly. can yeah. on, you and I can discourse on that in the coming week and kind of figure out where we want to go with it. Um, and I think that'll also allow us to to kind of streamline the podcast more by topic if we have some kind of rough idea of like flow and like what we want to cover, and can yeah. put thought into it beforehand. So I think we'll, I think that's a great idea. So the next one, uh, Dalton's nutrition coaching, we're going to do nutrition. And then we'll also probably touch on, um, just some general goals for ourselves as lifters for some of our, our coaching aspirations and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, no,
0: I like that a lot. Let's do that. All
1: right. So where can they find you? Okay. So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm active on both by just searching my name, which is Steve Pruitt with one T Um, I'm a, an active administrator and moderator in numerous Facebook groups where we have a lot of fun and talk a lot of shit. And then I am very active on Instagram as well. Um, maybe less so over the holidays, because I've had a lot going on, but I'm active on Instagram as well. Um, you can find my page, which is Steve's lifts. You can find my coaching page, which is foundational SS, which is for strength systems, no racist shit, which was pointed out to me the other day, (laughs) foundational SS, and I'm like, my brother in Christ, you don't even know what SS stands for in German. And beyond that, Fucking no, balance. it's not what it means. Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can find me at either of those pages. I'm um, really looking forward to doing more. And I'm really looking forward to doing more coaching style content with the next year moving forward with my coaching page. Um, I've got my lovely partner, Katrina, who's going to help me with some content creation, uh, media That's creation, nice. things of that nature. So looking forward to the new year. It's going to be big for everybody.
0: I think so. All right. Where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram for the main mm-hmm. part. Uh, it's going to be Dalton underscore MM. or if you search ISCN or Iron Circus strength and nutrition, it will mm-hmm. pop up. You can find me on my website. I see I letter C strength.com. Uh, yeah. Um, so that is pretty much most of the places you'll find me and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, there's not a lot of uh, other places I'll be.
1: Excellent, man. So I think that does it for this episode, man. Yeah, it was really good to talk to you. Yeah, you too, man. So I All will right, catch you next it. time. Yes, sir. I look forward to doing it in a couple days.
0: See ya.